Let us pray. Gracious God, we're grateful again to turn to one of your parables today. Simple images with a simple message that we sometimes don't notice or understand. As we learn about a simple farmer and one of the smallest seeds on earth as compared to your kingdom, help us, Lord, to slow down and to see, to recognize, to understand, to comprehend, to live the message that you're giving us this day. Inspire us with your Holy Spirit in this space this morning, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It's now time for our offering, and you can give as the plate goes by, or you can give um, digitally. You'll see the instructions in the extravagant generosity section of the bulletin.
may be seated. Simple gratitude of that last phrase that we said six times. Can we have that simple gratitude? Can we live it? Can we say it in the morning? Can we say it in the afternoon when it's hot? Can we say it in the evening when we're tired? It gives you every instance in that song a reason to give thanks for the simplest of things for which we take granted so often. And this text is perfect for that song. Before we start, I'll ask, have any of you ever met a major public figure? Ever walked up to that person and introduced yourself, maybe even gotten an autograph from that person, gotten a picture with that person? The new thing is for you to have the cell phone and take a picture with that person that you're holding. Politics, entertainment, sports, you were at the airport, you were in a major uh, city, that person came through your town for some reason or another. For one reason, you ran into this person, and it was a big deal. Um, I can give you a couple instances. Tommy's Ham House is in Greenville, beside um, Triune Mercy Center, and every person running for president comes through Tommy's Ham House in Greenville. Uh, our, the church that I served was right around the corner from that, so I would see people. And, uh, and I'd intentionally go over there just in the parking lot to see that all that craziness go through. Um, in uh, 2000, I marched in the parades at Mardi Gras. Uh, with the uh, um, Summerall Guards of the Citadel. And this is, um, I thought it would be cooler than it was. Um, you're not really <laughs> riding a float and doing this. You know, we were kind of marching along, very direct and very um, poised. But every other, every so-and-so parade, you'd get off. And it was your job to go in people's homes and ask if you could fill up water bottles for your friends. And one of those days as I was doing that, I ran into Peyton Manning. Just walk, I mean, and as big as I am, he is three inches taller than I am. And in college, I was much smaller than I currently am now. And so uh, he was a hero of mine. He was playing while I was in college a little bit before. And, and so I walked past him a good 50 yards. And then I thought, no, I mean, how many chances are you going to get? I walked back and I went up to him and I could see him in New Orleans is his home. So he's probably not badgered much in New Orleans. So I go up to him and I can see that he knows that I'm coming up to him. And I said, I'm one of your biggest fans ever. <laughs> Choke. He's like, really? Oh, for real? Great. Took a picture with him though, and have that picture. Um, the situation is elevated simply by the presence of this individual. This individual chose to spend their time in the place where you are at the event that you're attending. And some people, or, or many of us, since I was close to that person who was there, I was significant. And I'll tell that story for 50, 60 years. And you know, if you tell a story like that, someone has a story like that, and they're ready to tell the story of when they were close proximity to. Um, they can elevate a situation that you think, oh, I hate being here. I was in security at the Atlanta airport and doing the deal where you're, um, 
walking through the thing, you're coming this way, and then you're coming back this way, and then you're coming back this way, and there's nobody in it. And then there's Dikembo Mutombo. <laughs> total star of the NBA in my childhood. And I couldn't weave back through, so I just said, Dikembe! <laughs> just pointing out to him. Weirdo. Since I was close to them, I was significant. That's what's so interesting about the people that Jesus talks about in his stories. They weren't previously significant. Most of them at all. At best, infamous. Let's look at Matthew 13, verse 31. And it's on page 15, 18, or within a couple of pages of that. And today, it's a short one. I'm reading all the way through it. You can put your Bibles away. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked its way all through the dough. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Farming and cooking. My two great areas of expertise. No. No, I talk about them in scripture. That's about it. Normally a notorious individual in Jesus' stories. He's taken too much from his friends. He's harmed people surrounding him or she's harmed people surrounding her. He or she has not followed the cultural norms for relationships. He or she is from a different nation, a different religion, and is on the outskirts. Jesus does not tell stories of major people in major places who were already popular and doing something before he told this story. Instead, he tells stories of people who are on the outskirts, people who were excluded, people who aren't that big a deal. This story isn't even someone who was a tax collector that everyone knew in town. Did you notice the name of the farmer in the scripture passage? Did you see it? Did you see who his father was? Who his grandfather was? What family he was from? What town he was from? What did it say? A man. It didn't get any simpler than that. Just a farmer is all we're talking about today. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, when you think about a castle that's in a kingdom and all the significance of a castle that's in a kingdom in terms of security, in terms of authority, in terms of beauty, when you say, uh, as I showed the three and four year olds in CEP Chapel this week, does this mean a kingdom to you? You see that? And they said, oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely kingdom. Definitely beautiful. Definitely secure. Definitely powerful. He says the kingdom of heaven is just like some guy. What does that mean to us? It's very accessible. It's not one you've heard of. It's not a guy you've likely noticed. It's a guy that you've passed by on the way to the thing that you're already doing. 
that's one of the best images Jesus can imagine. In his ministry, but also in his entire life. Jesus loves people like this because they have no personal agenda. They're not trying to be the most religious one. They're not trying to sit in the seat closest to him. They're not trying to have authority over what he says or what he does. They're not choosing who is excluded and who is included. Just faithfully working. Harming no one. Grateful for creation. You anybody like that? That's one of the things that I love about Greer. There's several things that I love hearing the train go by. I love being able to walk to downtown. I love being able to go to Target in five minutes. Towns don't provide that. Walking to one and driving to the other very quickly. I love that someone might bring me tomatoes, someone might bring me blueberries, someone might bring me eggs, someone might bring me corn on any given day, no matter what. Why? Just a, it's a gift. It's a loving gift of that person who has put that effort in. No personal agenda, faithfully working, harming no one, and grateful for creation. And guess what? Jesus wasn't drawn to those people in his adult life and his ministry. Jesus is one of those people. He's been around these folks since day one. His mom wasn't famous. His town was at best infamous. His parents, Mary and Joseph, did not follow the cultural norms for a relationship, causing people in that town to wonder what was going on. Now the seed has a name. The man doesn't have a name, but the seed does. We want to make sure that we point out it's a mustard seed. Why do we want to point that out? Smallest of all. We just got a guy with the smallest of all seats. What would you compare the kingdom of God to? What would you compare the kingdom of heaven to, Jesus? Well, I was thinking about that. It's kind of like some guy that you've seen a bunch of times out in his field with the smallest seed you've ever seen. Now, how do you think people, when they hear that, who were expecting a Messiah, who hear him say that he's the Messiah, who've been under oppression of foreign governments, currently now under the Roman government, but been under oppression from all types of governments who sweep through town and make them follow their rules. And when they think Messiah, what do they think? Authority. Soldier. Warrior. General political leader who's going to get us and gather us and take us over there and take out all those people so that we can be in charge. You get that. You've been in institutions, in churches, you've been in your workplace, you've had a sports team, you've had a, our nation, our country, a, our town, and you think, can we get somebody in there who wants to be there, who's going to grab it and take it over and take us to the place where we want to be? You have that sense without having an oppressive government from a foreign nation forcing you to do whatever they want you to do. Imagine what these people have. And they say, Messiah, tell us what this is going to be like. Um, like that farmer over there. With a little seed in his hand. 
What are you supposed to do with that? We don't have what we need to do this. Is a phrase that's given throughout the Bible. Especially when people are called to be a leader in the Bible. They'll say, mm-mm. No, I have unclean lips. I have an unclean heart. I've done too many things that are wrong. I've done too many things that have impeded what you wanted. There's no way I can be a leader in your kingdom. I don't have enough of what it takes. So what do you think Jesus says to people who say we don't have enough of what it takes? He says it takes one hand and the tiniest seed there is. What does that mean for us? Those that were called by God said they didn't have enough faith. Disciples said they didn't have enough food. You look at this seed and you say, how can this be the difference maker? How can this be the change agent for what we're trying to do? How can you compare this to the kingdom? And then he gives a phrase. When it grows. Just three simple words that have an ocean of implications. When it grows, it will become a tree that birds will perch in. It will give them a home. It will give them shelter. It will give them food. When you say when it grows, we need two things. Preparation and patience. How many people prepare for everything that could possibly happen way before it ever happens on the level that we're ready? We struggle sometimes. How many people are patient for the outcome of what we tried to do? Um, whatever y'all are minus me. Whatever that number is. It's tough to be patient. You have to prepare a field in the proper season while pay attention to the weather of this particular season, of this particular year. You have to check periodically for things that are threatening the crop. And maybe the hardest thing, you have to wait and hope. How many of you have ever waited and hoped for something? Is, is that a fun sensation? When it's a positive thing like my child or grandchild might get into college, waiting and hoping is hard. When it's a negative thing like an illness that's threatening one of us, waiting and hoping is very hard. I had a person tell me that the other day. I never had, this person said, the respect for what it's like to be sick until I had a doctor tell me, I'll see you in two weeks. And he thinks, two weeks? Man, I, need, I would like to know tomorrow. Is there any way we could meet tomorrow at 9 a.m. and see if there's any changes, any information, any help? No, it's going to be two weeks. Waiting. And, that, you know, the doctor can't help that. It's part of life. It's part of trying to understand the human body and God's creation. But that person waiting and hoping and then working for the harvest and when it comes, giving away. I can't say I know for a fact of what this is like, but I think it'd probably be fun to have a crop of something and take it to people. Right? I, at least I've seen a smile on people's face when they bring me a tomato or corn or blueberries or whatever it may be. It's fun. 
because you've put in the time and the effort to make a difference. So you take that image of farming that they all get, absolutely, and you apply it to Jesus talking about their faith in the kingdom of God. And you think about the phrase, when it grows. We have to ask ourselves, do we believe that Jesus might call us to action? Do we believe in our hearts that in a worship service or throughout the week, God might actually call us to do something, not just gather together and sing and pray and read? Can you comprehend that belief, however small it may be in your soul? You think, oh, I mean, maybe. Maybe God might call me to do something. But maybe I've already done enough in my life and I don't have time left to do something. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe there's things that impede my ability to be friendly, to be helpful, to serve. And the weeds that grow around it, effortless and huge. And the seed in your soul that is that tiny is wondering if it has the potential, the possibility of doing something. So can we be patient? Can we ask? Can we hope? Can we dream? Can we be as patient as the farmer was? Can we bless the environment around us? Because how big did that seed become? Go Google it in the um, pictures that mustard tree and the birds that are in it. The faith that Jesus shared with them was so small and so fragile that it would turn them off if they were looking for a powerful thing. But for those in the crowd who thought that they were small, who thought that they were fragile, they just heard that day from the Messiah, from the one, the kingdom of God is just like you. The kingdom of God is powered by you. The kingdom of God has hope through you. May we all be thankful and sing that phrase in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening. And may we have the faith that the tiny thing inside of each of us has the potential to grow and bless the kingdom of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stand as you're able for hymn number 77.
playing for us today. Ann came back from the Midwest just this weekend and then uh, came and played for us. We're grateful for you. Um, this is going to sound weird. The chicken, I think, will be ready at 11. And it occurred to me right when we started, I thought, you know, our service is about 51 minutes. And I bet you they're counting on us at 11. So I'm going to bless the meals, the benediction. I'm going to let the acolytes go forward. And then I'm going to ask you all to just kind of mill around and chat with one another and catch up. And I'll tell you, um, I think if we go over there now, we'll be backed up and it'll be tough from square one. Uh, so if we can just um, talk for about nine, eight, nine minutes and then, uh, and then go over. Um, do you want some, you want some topics? Um, college football's coming. Who's coming to Clemson? Who's coming to Carolina? Uh, go in peace. May the great, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to bless the meal. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the loving hands that prepared the meal and um, everything that we bring to the table from our homes today. We thank you for the tables that you're placing before us and the opportunity to meet and share with one another. We thank you always for this food. We ask you to bless the food to our bodies, our bodies to your service throughout this week, that we may honor and serve you with gladness, that the seed inside us may grow and serve you. It's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen.